one knows how to play poker. Poker, poker. But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. Poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And welcome to the show, Big Dave and Joe here. In the midst of the uh, big weekend over at, uh, actually, week, I should say week and a half, not weekend, uh, started last weekend. We we're right in the middle of the whole 10-day period as the Seminole Hard Rock Showdown is underway over in Hollywood at the uh, Seminole Hard Rock Casino. A uh, lot of action there, several really big tournaments, big names from the world of poker here. It's been a lot of fun so far, and uh, the final tables, uh, two of them going on right now, actually. Uh, one final table and one of the other tournament in the final two tables. There will also be a final table tomorrow. So we'll get into all the results and what's happening and over there. Dave, it's amazing how well they've done with these tournaments. They're crushing all their guarantees. Uh, I'm telling you, the Hard Rock is definitely, if it wasn't before this, it's definitely a destination uh, poker tournament site now. Yeah, the, the, the Summer Hard Rock is definitely king of South Florida, I've got to say. Uh, certainly a lot of great places for everyone to play, but as far as national headlines and big tournaments, uh, I can hardly think of anybody that even comes close outside of the World Series. Really? I, I, I can't either. I mean, you know, we know that the WPT puts on a nice event, but... I don't know. Does does it cover all of does does it hit all of this? I, 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 I think it does. I really do. You know, so I'm telling you, it is it is a hell of a job they're doing over there. Yeah, hell doing a great job. job. Uh, been over there talking to a lot of the people, and they've been very helpful. Uh, certainly looking forward to see what happens with the tournament of champions, which starts this coming Friday, uh, the final big event of this uh, week and a half period, and closes out the uh, WPT season, season 14. So. Uh, Player of the Year uh, was uh, determined this week. We'll get to that. Uh, actually, had a woman that had a chance to win the title, Kate Hall. Uh, she has done very well this year, and she needed a third-place finish in the tournament that she ran uh, deep in. Uh, unfortunately, today she was knocked out in ninth place. Oh. Uh, for the, uh, it was not a. It was an unofficial final table today. Normally, they play all the way down to six. So we'll get to some of these details. But uh, the thirty-five hundred dollar showdown, which is the regular. WPT Tour event uh, in its sixth year uh, started last Friday. We were doing the show here on a Wednesday. So last Friday, uh, kicked that off, and that was uh, the one-day tournament uh, as far as opening days. Normally, uh, you could come back, get in the next day, and maybe even a third day. Uh, But this year, they decided to do everything one day, and then day two came the next day on Saturday. So uh, if you wanted to re-enter, you could do so as many times as you wanted that day but only until about uh, 8 o'clock that night, and then entries were cut off. And Didn't kill them, though. As far as number of players, they had 2,200. No, I'm sorry, 1,222. Right, and they crushed the guarantee of 2 million by yeah. almost double that. Yeah, they did about 1.39, or I'm sorry, 3.9 million in the uh, prize pool there, and first place gets about uh, $660,000. So uh, they're playing down to that now. What happened was uh, they played the first day, 1222 was the final entry number. They came back with about 488 for the second day. Then they played down. Uh, uh, I don't remember the exact one through Saturday, through uh, through Sunday, but uh, I think it was to 27. They played all the way down to 27. To the final three tables, right? 
Uh, I get the exact number. I might be confusing these two different tournaments. But they played uh, three days. Uh, day three was Sunday. And then they took two days off. Now, that's something a little bit different. They came back today for the final table as they played down to ten. Uh, normally, they play down to six. But they played to ten uh, because it was late at night. And they decided they could bring a whole table back. And while it wouldn't be official till the final six, uh, they brought the ten back. Uh, and they uh, took place. Uh, or the got into action today at uh, 11 a.m. And let me ask you, man, two days off between the, two days off, between yeah. the, the 27th well, and the final 10? the way it worked out was uh, Sunday started the $10,000 tournament, the uh, what they called the Seminole Hard Rock Finale. So they played uh, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday to get down to that final table. They have done that, and that final table will go tomorrow on Thursday, so they get one day off there. And then on the... Uh, the 19th, which was yesterday, Tuesday, they started the $25,000 high roller. And they had 94 players turned out for that, which is a huge turnout for a, a high roller. $25,000 buy-in, that's outstanding. You know, all the big names from South Florida, uh, you know, guys like Jason Mercier, the grinder, uh, Noah, Noah Schwartz, uh, Muckle Pahuja, uh, all the big names of the local guys. And then national big names as well, Byron Coverman, uh uh, just uh, Jennifer Tilly was there. You know, I wouldn't call her a big name of poker, but she is a famous and uh, certainly part of the scene. And, and she's won a bracelet, so she, she definitely knows how to play poker. She was there. Uh, Mosin Sharanya, um, Nick Petrangelo, uh, all the big names. Dan Shack, people like that, uh, played in this high roller. And they played uh, till 5.30 in the morning this morning uh, to get down to the money, which was 13 players. Jason Mercer. And our good friend bubbled out, huh? Bubbled out at about 5.30 in the morning. So uh, they uh, all went home, went to bed, came back at 4 o'clock this afternoon, and they are now playing with the final 13. And as I check the uh, results right now, they are down to nine players there. So we'll get to some of the names and and who's still involved. Uh, Certainly a lot of fun, very well-run tournament. Not without a bit of controversy. There was one little uh, incident that uh, we'll touch on tonight if we can, uh, some of the players. In fact... It was in a satellite to the high roller, and there was a problem. They were down to uh, let's see, they were down to ten players in the satellite. Seven of them got seats into the high roller, and eighth place was like seventeen thousand okay. dollars. Ninth and tenth got nothing, so they are on a break, and uh, it was involved with a guy named Mike Dentali, who was one of the chip leaders. And Lily Coletto, who's a very beautiful woman that uh, is a very good player, uh, she was one of the short stacks. Now, uh, Jason Wheeler uh, and Muckle Pahuja got into the argument basically with these two people because uh, Wheeler had gone up to his hotel room on the break, and when he came back a little bit late, he saw them talking uh, outside. You know, didn't really know what to infer from that, but uh, they were having a discussion on the outside. So they got back in and started playing, and in the first couple of hands, uh, Lily went all in, and then Tali folded. And, of course, the guys blew up. They said, you can't fold there. You have to, you know... There are scenarios depending on how big the stacks are that it's, right. it's almost she had a mandatory a small, call. Yeah, you have to, it, basically that's what they were saying, yeah, and you that's can't of course, let her chip up that way. That's of course to prevent collusion. So, uh, okay. and then Tally had thrown his cards toward the muck, and sh- and she had mucked, and and uh, they tried to pull the cards out, and there was a big discussion, and there was a really heated argument from what what uh, 
what they were talking about on Twitter and and on two plus two. Now, I don't did know. Did this much occur once or more than once? Once. once. Okay. It was the first time it happened, and it turns out that they recovered her card. She had four seven. And he had he said he didn't remember what his cards were. Now I guess this guy from, you know, and I, it's all hearsay, obviously, but his is a little on the shady side, a kind of a scumbag, basically, that has had problems before in some major events. And that doesn't really matter. But uh, just the point is, he said he didn't really remember what his cards were. And then he said, oh, I think I had a four. And uh, so they said they were able to determine which where the cards were, and they pulled it up. And he said, oh, yeah, I think I had an ace. Ace four? He had ace and four. And he's going to fold to And he small. folded yeah, to. Yeah, that's just, you know. So it basically was just letting her stay in the event and have a shot to uh, get a seat. Did she eventually get a seat or no? Uh, she did not. She did not. She actually won that hand. They yeah, re- reconstructed he... the cards and, and played the hand out. Oh, did they? Yeah. And, and they she, forced him to put the money in? She paired her seven. They forced him to put the money yes, in? Yes, they paired her seven. Oh, and, good. Uh, so they're just trying to decide now, uh, you know, what they're... What they can prove, what they can't prove, and, and what the penalties might be. But uh, there was a very heated near fist fight, I guess. A lot of name calling and cursing. A uh, lot of nasty stuff on Twitter after the fact. And uh, basically, uh, this trouble has followed this guy from, from what I hear. I don't, I don't want to oh, make a judgment on this is probably the him, reason that they questioned his move. Yeah. Well... I think the fact that they were, you know, friends and discussing on the outside, and then to have that happen like immediately, uh, I'm sure they're antenna. And was I don't up for remember that. Lily Coletto having any kind of reputation. No. So you know, it's it's, it's kind of sad that you know, it, again, assuming, yeah. <laughs> assuming the conversation where we're all assuming that they had a conversation. But I think it just goes to, to collude show. because this, you know, there's no other word that you can use for that. Right. I'm going to go all in if you're the guy up against me. Just fold your hand so I can chip up a little and, bit. And, and there's bad eggs shot. in every sport and every game. So, I'm, you know, it's just something that they have to try to deal with. And I think they did a pretty good job what they've done so far. And they'll come well, up with if a, they were a able decision. to reconstruct their hands and play it out and force him to do this, I'll tell you what, even though she wound up winning that hand, I mean, they're, you know, to me, that's and that's probably why the heated uh, discussions and almost fight. Yeah. You know, it, it's collusion and and. I think a stiff penalty is uh, definitely uh, uh, something that you want to set down and hand down to this, these people. But a lot of the talk is, is about that, but it's unfortunate because they've done a great job, uh, and the, the attention should really go on the great players and how well they played and, and how well the tournament's been run. And it, it's been a great time there, I have to say. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, I did want to mention that because certainly people are talking about it. Well, guess what? And when people are talking about it, it's not going to go away. And you're right. It, it sucks that it takes away from the people who have done really well and, the, and the, how great the tournament is. But obviously, you don't want to have this black eye uh, here and, and even have people thinking that there could be collusion going on. And again, stiff penalties is something that I think down the road is, is something that you know could be warranted here. Right. Well, let's work backwards a little bit with the, uh, the high roller, which I mentioned started yesterday and is concluding today. First place in that one is 658,000. Uh, the 13 players uh, left going into today, uh, several big names, Nick Petrangelo, Dan Shack, Fader Holtz, Evgeny uh, Timoshenko, uh, John Dolan, Jake Schindler, and Sylvain Loosley, who was in the November 9 last year. Uh, several of these people are out. Uh, Dolan is out. He went out in 12th place. Let's see, Dan Shack went out in 11th. Jake Schindler went out in 10th place. 
So uh, they are down to nine players now in that one, and they will play down to a champion tonight. Uh, meanwhile, the uh, the main event, the $3,500 Seminole Hard Rock Showdown, is down to the final six players. They started, as I mentioned today, with ten, including Kate Hall, who had a chance to win Player of the Year, but went out in ninth place. Also eliminated in that one today, uh, William Foxen went out in tenth. Uh, Andre uh, Plotnikoff went out in eighth, and Sam Sovereil went out in seventh place. That leaves the final six. Uh, uh, the leader is Young Che. Uh, his uh, 9.4 million, a uh, player that I wasn't familiar with, but uh, kind of an interesting uh, fellow that uh, uh, certainly is a lot of fun. Has a very kind of unique playing style. Uh, also uh, still in there, Justin Young. Uh, I guess Justin Young might be the chip leader right now, uh, taking over the chip lead. He has 14 million, I see, and Che has uh, 9.4 million. Ben Tarzia. Uh, one of the small stacks with 1.2 million. He has made a final table in this uh, event before. Matthew Haugen, uh, kind of middle of the pack, 5.97 million. And then also near the bottom, Tim Riley and Garrett Greer, 3 million and 2.9 apiece. So they are playing in the midst of a, midst of a break right now. The final six out of 1,222. And uh, first place is 654,000 plus a seat in uh, Friday's Tournament of Champions. So uh, nice prize there. Uh, 458 for second on down to 132, 132,000 for sixth place. So they'll get back with that official final table after the break. Uh, the other event is the, uh, the 10K, which uh, is known as the finale. And they are playing that one right now. Uh, see if I can get you the final table there. They are playing that tomorrow. The big name at the final table is Chino Reem, uh, who uh, was the chip leader for much of the event. Uh, he is actually in second place uh, heading into the final day here. Uh, the leader local player named Ricky Legere, uh, they started the day with 27 players. Uh, some of the big names that got eliminated on that day yesterday as I was watching the action, David Paredes, Ari Engel, uh, Justin Zaki from Tampa, uh, Adam Le- Ruthless Levy, Jonathan Little, and Anthony Zeno. So uh, the final table looks like this. Uh, Chino Reem, Brian Piccioli, R- Ricky Legere, Adrian Mat- Mateos, uh, William Benson, and Aditya Prosecco. So uh, uh, the chips uh, are all kind of close. Um, Ricky Legere uh, has $4 million in chips. He leads the way. And uh, right behind him is Chino Reem with 3.4 million. So that'll be tomorrow, a whole separate tournament that uh, certainly not losing yeah. its place in, in the action. We'll wish uh, local uh, Chino Reem some good luck there, and let's hope that people aren't chasing him down to the window like <laughs> the last time he had some success in a big yeah, tournament. Yeah, exactly. Brian Pacioli is the short stack with just 535,000. Uh, Mateos with 850, and then uh, right in the middle there you have uh, Benson and then Persecio with 2.2 and 2.6 million, respectively. So all that uh, continues tomorrow uh, with the 10K. Uh, I'm going to head over for the final tables that are going on now uh, and see some of the action tonight. And, of course, we'll report on all the final results uh, next week. But uh, uh, really a great tournament. I got a chance to talk to a lot of people. After the break, we'll uh, we'll have a inter- couple of our interviews that I talked with uh, Faraz Jaka. And also Jonathan Little, who has a lot going on and, and made it very deep into this 10K tournament, actually finished in 12th place. So a uh, nice day for him and uh, all these people having uh, you know some outstanding performances. 
Yeah, I mean, the big names, big names, Dave. This is uh, so impressive how how many big names they're drawing to this. It's 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 got to be a lot of fun over there. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, let's take our first break in the show. I do want to tell you about Gulfstream Park. Uh, finishing up their uh, big racing season, but it's always poker season over there with a great 20-table uh, poker room located in the back side of the first-floor casino with a lot of great action. They have nightly tournaments uh, over there at 7 p.m. Just to give you a feel of what they throw on, uh, they have a PLO tournament on Wednesdays at 7, $50 entry, $10 rebuys. Also a, a high hand in that tournament, the $350 high hand. So that should be interesting. The other days are all Texas Hold'em. Uh, everything from a very small tournament on uh, Saturday for just $50 with $10 rebuys. And uh, 110 is the biggest one. Uh, that is on Thursdays with a 3000 guarantee. Uh, different guarantees, different buy-ins, different starting units for everything. So check out the Poker Room and give them a call at 954-457-6336. Gulfstream Park is really uh, one of the jewels of South Florida entertainment with a lot more than just uh, gambling. Certainly have uh, great dining and shopping there as well in the village of Gulfstream. And uh, the Pegasus is the open Pegasus, too. Pegasus, it looks so beautiful. We, I saw an aerial shot. we got to go shot. check that out. I uh, saw an aerial shot of it, man. It's so impressive. 110-foot-high uh, bronze and steel statue of the uh, the... Mythical horse, uh, winged horse, Pegasus, and uh, invite you to check that out because it's kind of a cool thing as well. Uh, anyway, lots of stuff to do over there. It's located in the southern part of Broward County in Hallandale Beach in between 95 and the beaches right on US-1 or Federal Highway as it's known to most of us down here. The address, 901 South Federal Highway in Hallandale Beach, uh, the corner of Federal and Hallandale Beach Boulevard. The poker room is open uh, 24 hours on Friday and Saturdays, Sunday and through Thursday. It's 10 a.m. to 4 a.m. Uh, all kinds of games, lots of nice people there. I, I would uh, highly recommend giving it a try over there if you have not yet, but lots of fun. It's Gulfstream Park. Welcome to your playground. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. 
Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. So, you know, I'm a dog, and I'm kind of new to this family, but I've noticed a trend. My humans do this thing where they go around and get all my toys and hide them in this basket, but it's always the same basket, and it's always the same place. And then they act so surprised when I find them. But I'm like, hello, that's where you put it last time. Humans are the worst at hide-and-go-seek. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. We have our first elimination in the final table of the uh, main event, the $3,500 tournament. It's Ben Tarzia getting knocked out by Young Che. Uh, che had uh, eight nine of or eight eight nine offsuit. Uh, I don't know what he's calling with that for, but except that he had a very large stack. <laughs> That's uh, why Tarzia went all in with uh, Ace Ten of Hearts, and uh, two nines came on the flop, and that was about all she That's, wrote. That, that'll that'll put the fork in you right there. Uh, similar hand with uh, Jonathan Little. When we get to the interview with him, I want to talk about that. Uh, also, uh, we talk with Faraz Jaka. I'm going to play that momentarily. But uh, certainly uh, talk to a lot of people, a lot of fun uh, over there, and some interesting stuff for uh, future shows lined up. Uh, again, we have the uh, action shot clock uh, going on Friday in the Tournament of Champions. Uh, I'm going to have a conversation with the company that's uh, developed the technology for that and how they're going to use it. I know that they're having a meeting with their dealers on Friday morning, uh, like 9 o'clock in the morning, and then they kick off at noon. So. Uh, kind of a last-minute discussion on exactly how they're going to handle that. But uh, we talked about it last week, Joe, and it's a lot of responsibility for the dealers to it uh, certainly is. run an action clock on every single hand. And especially, it's it, it's a lot of responsibility because no one's ever had to do it before. Right. So it's not something that's ingrained in you as a dealer to, to, to do. So, you know, having a meeting a few hours, two, three hours before the start of the tournament I'm sure they've got top-notch dealers that are going to be handling this, and I think the the pressure of and you know of, of all the people, the eyes watching you to make sure that you start that clock, uh, even if a dealer forgets for a second, somebody at the table will probably remind them to click the button. I guess uh, I'm assuming it's a button that they're going to be clicking to start the clock. Right. Uh, looking at the list of champions from the uh, WPT over 14 years of action. Uh, there's 227 champions over the years. Uh, a lot of them uh, are not here and probably will not intend on playing. We'll, we're expecting, I guess, a field of around 100 or so players. So it's not a tremendously huge tournament where they have to train 60 or 80 dealers or something like that. It's just going to be, uh, you know, a smaller group, maybe about uh, 10 to 10 to 12 tables at the most, I would think. Right. You figure you train about 18 dealers, you know, at, at the beginning, right. and then as the tables narrow down, you don't need as many of them. But, you know, I would imagine that the the top-notch dealers, the ones who are doing this consistently and doing it right on time, are going to be the ones that are be asked to go all the way down to when they finally get to the final table. Uh, but I'll tell you what, though. What did you say? Two hundred and twenty-seven winners over the fourteen years that right. they've had. Right. That's not bad. Getting about 
40% of the people coming in yeah, to well, play we'll in the championship. Uh, there's 100,000 added. There's some ever, uh, there's a Corvette for first place. Uh, you know, some great prizes, some great incentives for, for people to come. But you look at some of the names, you know, like maybe uh, a Gus Hansen, who's been out of commission as far as the poker world goes since uh, Black Friday, and people like that. There's no way that they're going to be playing, I'm pretty sure. Uh, guys like Negreanu, and uh, who knows if the magician uh, Antonio Esfandiari will show up. But he has not been here this week. I'm thinking maybe it'll be, it's going to be closer to 75 players. Well, listen, it's a very novel idea. I like it. And, uh, you know, maybe going forward they can do this every year with just the champions. And, you know, it, it becomes almost like a private tournament for these guys, you know, and it makes it that much more exciting to win a tournament during, during you know, the other main events that they have uh, throughout the year to try to qualify for that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, saw a lot of uh, former WSOP champions this week. Uh, Ryan Reese, Jerry Yang, uh, Jamie Gold was here playing. Uh, in the 25,000, had Greg Merson played. Uh, Joe McKeon was in it. Uh, Joe Hashem also is here. So that's, uh, pretty that's interesting. That's six main event winners right there that you right. just mentioned. So that's impressive. Pretty nice turnout there for uh, a big tournament like this. So we'll be following that, of course, as we uh, move through the week and bring you all the results next week, as I mentioned. Uh, first uh, player out, I mentioned Ben Tarzia. So they're down to five players. We'll keep an eye on that. And uh, the other tournament going on is the uh, is the high roller. Let's see if we can get any kind of update on that one. Don't see. It looks like they're down to nine. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that one as well. Let you know what's going on as far as uh, that tournament is concerned. Uh, let's get to a couple of our interviews. Let's start off with Faraz Jaka. I want to talk to Faraz because, of course, he is involved with the GPL as one of the captains. He also is a representative of the Seminole Hard Rock, wears their patch and uh, uh, is involved with helping promote the property. So I uh, pulled him aside. Uh, he actually had just gotten there after uh, playing late into the night the night before. So he came during the first break of uh, the main event and was just entering then. But I got a chance to uh, have a few words. Here's Faraz. Uh, with Faraz Jaka, of course, the captain of the San Francisco Rush here in South Florida, of course, for this tournament. Now, uh, obviously, you're wearing the patch. You're sponsored by the Seminole Hard Rock. How's that working out for you? That's going great. Uh, I, I think this is literally the best place to play poker in the States. And, you know, it's easy to say that because I'm wearing a patch, but I'm wearing a patch because I truly believe that. If you go to any other place to play in the U.S., the casino, the card rooms are always kind of in the middle of nowhere. And this is the one casino that's just 20 minutes away from downtown. So you get a much more, you know, regular crowd in here. And it's just such a good atmosphere. you got a Vegas-style pool. The guarantees are big. And everything about it is great. Last night you finished fifth in the 2200. A good deep run uh, to kind of warm up for the tournament today. Uh, but that thing got done at 3 o'clock. I don't know what time you got knocked out. But what's that like coming back the next day? Especially for a noon tournament with only one opening session. Yeah. So you kind of got to get here early. Yeah, um, I think I got knocked out around like 2.30 or so, but the stacks were really shallow, um, and no one had busted for a couple hours. So I'm pretty sure it must have it ended at 3, you said? Yeah. 3, so I mean, I'm fine with that because, you know, after you've had a big final table with a 50K plus score, registering, uh, you know, an hour or two. I'm actually just coming in now, so I'm coming in about an hour and a half late, and uh, I'm okay with that. You know, missing the first level or two is not the end of the world. Uh, with the structure. So, yeah, it worked. I think they, they kind of planned it out just, just perfectly. I know there was the big national story about you being homeless because basically yeah.
exactly it wasn't worth having a place. You're always yeah. traveling. Where's kind of your your base though? You're not here in South Florida I, now, are you? I literally don't have a home base, but I'm actually in South Florida possibly more than anywhere else. Um, I mean, I come here, you know, four or five times a year now, and um, there's there's nowhere else I go to that often. So this is kind of starting to feel like home. Um, yeah, I mean, I spend a month and a half in Vegas during the series. Uh, I visit my folks in California. I'm in Europe three, four months of the year, Australia, South Africa. So I- I'm all over the place. <laughs> okay, let's get to the GPL real quick. Uh, the, the draft was awesome. Uh, I think the, the GPL lost a little momentum because there was nothing really mentioned for about five weeks until all of a sudden yeah. they're ready to go in the first week of the regular season. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts about how things have gone so far? We're through two weeks, yeah. and there's still a lot of tweaking to be done, obviously. Yeah. What's gone so on your, in your mind so far? Uh, uh, I'm pretty thrilled with the way the season opened. Uh, you know, none of us knew what to expect. Is this thing going to take off or not? You know, who knows? Um, what, what I did know is Alex is a really smart entrepreneur. He really knows what he's doing. Um, a lot of the top players embraced it, which was important, and joined the league. So didn't really know what to expect. And uh, opening week, I, I'll, I'll be honest, I, I don't watch much poker on TV. I'm not that entertained by it. And I couldn't turn off the live stream all week when GPL started. Um, there, you're just seeing, you know, top players go at it day in, day out. You get to see the whole cards. You see people on the webcam, how they're reacting at home. It, it was awesome. I'm, I'm still watching. You know, I'm still trying to catch up on episodes. And uh, I think it's working out really great. I think people that are a little bit slow to accept it, you know, we got to give it every chance. I think this is an awesome uh, way to try to help promote the game. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I love what they're doing so far. But like you, I, I don't I don't really like watching it on a computer. I like watching TV okay. poker. Yeah. But as far as watching it on the computer, I have a little problem with that. So uh, yeah. I don't know how much I'm going to follow that. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, uh, the younger generations are kind of starting to watch TV on the computer. And that's just a change that's going to happen and is happening. Um, obviously, that's not to say they can't, you know, get GPL on TV eventually. It's, uh, I mean, another thing to keep in mind is this is a startup right now. So as far as, you know, people be nitpicking about mistakes and how things could be done better, I mean, it's startups easily can take three to five to ten years before they take their, you know, end format. So um, I think people just need to keep an open mind and understand that, you know, nothing's going to be perfect right now and it's just a matter of getting things moving and slowly, you know, weed out the mistakes. Do you think as a captain in the GPL, it's your opportunity to uh, to help promote the, that venture? Yeah. Uh, I know mean, you got Jason and Chance locally here that are in it. So, you know, uh, it's a chance to just promote the game on your own. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, all, all of the managers in the game are the kind of people who are on uh, in touch with the live and online world, have a decent following, and, uh, you know, they're kind of the leaders of the industry uh, for the younger generation. And uh, I think it's important for people in that category to step up and do what they can to help out because it's going to take, uh, you know, a full force effort from everybody in the community to make it work. Yeah. Okay. Everybody's getting back in there. Good luck yeah. to you. All right. Thanks, man. Thank you. Good meeting you, man. That is Faraz Jaka, and I uh, got a chance to speak to him yesterday. Certainly a lot of players involved in the uh, GPL. Uh, Jonathan Little said he was playing tomorrow. He was playing his heads-up match. Uh, so people are going around in different tournaments and then taking a day to maybe stay in their hotel room and play online and some of these things. So it, it's a, they're able to work it in with their regular schedule, and I think it's turning out pretty good on that in that regard. And and listening to Roz, what a schedule he's got, yeah. huh? Yeah. I mean, you know, talking about three months in Europe, uh, going to Australia, it's, uh, you know, it's... 
I guess it's a little more daunting than we thought, you know, with their with their regular schedule and how they're going to handle all of this. Um, I didn't get a chance to watch this week. I don't know if you had a chance to watch the the matchup. No, I didn't. Um, uh, you know, yesterday, yesterday, and everything. So. Six max American matches today. But yeah, you know, uh, he's excited about it. You know, we we've shown so, a lot of excitement about it here, and. Uh, Hopefully they'll keep tweaking it to the point where it becomes very interesting to watch. As you mentioned in the interview, you're not a big man on watching it on on the Internet. And, I, you know, I think that's something big that they're going to have to kind of overcome. Right. Well, I, I think, again, like a lot of other sports, you know, it, it's exciting in the beginning. And then you kind of, you know, the regular season moves along and you kind of stay up with the results. But you don't watch all of it. Uh, you know, when you get to the live stuff this summer and some of the stuff in the cube, I think it's going to pick up some of the excitement as well. So, uh, you know, it's a it's a long season. Uh, hopefully, you know, one of the things like uh, like I've mentioned on the show before is uh, you and I both got excited with the draft and the teams that 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 you know how they were put together with the with the players that they had, poker players that they had, but. I I just assumed, and I guess maybe that's not from reading it or not getting the information. I just assumed that everybody would be playing every week, you know, yeah. in one way or the other, and that doesn't seem to be the case. Obviously, as they you know designate a player to play in the six max and then the heads up, and you know you really haven't seen your your maybe your favorite player or your favorite team because of the players they have on there play all the people that you want to see play. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if Faraz Jaka is busy, so busy traveling that he doesn't even need a uh, home, uh, <laughs> there was a big story the AP put out a few months ago that, uh, you know, top millionaire poker player is homeless. And it was simply because he, see, you know, he had no reason to, to keep a residence. He was hardly ever there. Uh, he obviously had to keep some of his stuff somewhere so he I think with his parents or maybe he had a rental uh, unit or storage unit or something like that but uh, he said that the time he spends in in one place as a, a living quarters was really not fitting into his lifestyle since he was constantly on the road staying in hotels and staying with friends around the world so uh, he basically gave well, up his residence and has for the last close to two years. And I, and I would just guess that uh, he's a single man. <laughs> yes, he is. Yes. <laughs> because this is not a lifestyle conducive to, to having a relationship. Exactly. But I'm sure but someday he'll settle down. It, you know, I, I don't know how old Faraz is, but he's, uh, you know, it, it's a great lifestyle to have. But I, I would imagine it gets a little tiresome living out of a suitcase. And, you know, you, you get to see the world. You get to do what you love doing, playing poker. But eventually, I guess, I guess you know, one of the centered things is to have a place to come home to, family and everything else. And like you said, maybe he's got his stuff with his parents and stuff. And right. I guess that's what he calls just going home and relaxing, I guess, with his parents and brothers or sisters if he has any. Think how much money he's saving with no rent or mortgage. <laughs> yeah, unlike, I know, I know unlike about myself, that. unlike myself. <laughs> no. so. Okay, uh, Jonathan Little was someone I had a chance to that I really wanted to talk to. I've had him on the show here before, but he continues to uh, branch out with new projects, uh, most having to do with poker instruction. Uh, he has uh, a couple of sites. He has an app called, uh, I guess it's called. Uh, Share My Pair, it's called. And uh, he has a couple of websites, uh, Jonathan Little Poker, and a new one that just opened yesterday. I was talking to him. It was the launch of PokerCoaching.com. And it had, a lot of it had to do with uh, him putting out hands and letting people actually 
punch what they would do. There'd be like four choices at the bottom of the page, and you could pick which one you would do, and he would evaluate uh, to you your the response. And uh, kind of a teaching thing. Uh, did you make the right choice? Uh, you know, were you looking ahead properly in the hand, uh, giving all the different uh, ins and outs of the facts as far as stack size and, and location of the table and that sort of thing. So uh, very interesting. Kicked off yesterday, and he actually got up before uh, playing in the uh, final 27, the final three tables of the uh, 10K finale. Uh, he had to do a uh, seminar on the Internet for uh, some of his regular fans. He said he had like 300 people turned out for that. Wow. And then the launch was later in the day at 3 in the afternoon. So I got a chance to ask him a few questions about that, about playing down here in South Florida and all the stuff that he's done lately. So I was uh, because he was getting ready to play, I did about a few minutes with him, and we had to break it off and went back during the first break and finished it up. So this is two parts here. Uh, let's hear the first part of that, uh, my conversation with Jonathan Little. I'm here at the Seminole Hard Rock, uh, day three of the $10,000 finale with Jonathan Little, who has uh, made the final three tables. Uh, also a busy day for you. Tell me about first your, your new webinar that you did this morning. You woke up this morning for uh, PokerCoaching.com. Well, so PokerCoaching.com is a new project I've been working on. A lot of my students wanted a more hands-on poker coaching experience. So what we're doing is each month we're going to be putting out a few hand quizzes for them to go through. And also we'll have an open-ended homework question like for example one of them is everyone folds to you on the button you have two good players in the blinds with maybe a 50 big blind stack what is your strategy with all of your hands and why so we're trying to get people to think about poker in a in a big way away from the table so that whenever they're at the table they don't do anything ridiculous and make mistakes and then also each month those students all get a webinar where we're going to be going through the homework going through the quizzes and trying to help them improve Okay. A lot of people are familiar with you, obviously, they are playing in these tournaments. Uh, you did a great article a couple of weeks ago on uh, how not to play pocket aces. Uh, what happens when you get in a tournament, you know, maybe there's a couple people at the table have read some of your stuff. Do you play it differently because if you can kind of determine that? I assume most people in the good players are pretty good to start with. I mean, I actually had a guy to my right yesterday in this tournament, he's still in, said that he reads my books all the time. He's a, he has a business and whatnot, and so he doesn't get to play poker very often, but he's always thinking about the game because he gets to study a lot. And it's a good thing. I mean, I don't know. People people are good in $10,000 tournaments, so you have to assume most people are pretty great. No one's going to make an amateur blunder of vastly overflying a marginal made hand. As a uh, former player of the year with the WPT, obviously you're on the Champions Cup, so you're eligible to play in the big 15,000 event uh, coming up. I'm assuming you're playing in that. What do you think about this whole little festival here at the Seminole Hard Rock in Florida? You seem to be here quite a bit uh, to play in some of the big events. Yeah, I think it's a good thing. It's a very well-run poker room. They have a lot of events. There's a big player base to draw from, and they do a great job here. And you obviously enjoy teaching, so uh, how do you uh, join the two? I mean, obviously this is a busy day for you, a huge uh, you know, finish to this tournament, yet you had to get up and do a webinar this morning. You got your site launching this afternoon. Uh, not an easy to juggle all these things. I'm good at juggling. What it amounts to is I, I do a lot of the work ahead of time for my poker training business to the point where I don't do a whole lot with that when I am playing poker unless something comes up. Like, I was going to do my webinar today right before the site launched, but this came up, so I had to make the sacrifice of waking up an hour early. So I try to schedule life in a way that makes sense, and usually works out pretty well. Okay. I know they're getting ready to go here. I'll let you go. Maybe we'll get a chance to talk a little bit later. Sounds good. Okay. Good luck. Thank you. 
And Jonathan did come back and talk with us uh, following or during the first break, which was about an hour and a half into play. I uh, got a chance to watch a few hands. Remember now, there's 27 players left. This is the $10,000 buy-in event, which uh, uh, first place is around 650000 A nice, uh, nice turnout for that one as well, a smash there guarantee. Uh, as they got into action, there was a hand right at the very beginning, I think maybe the second hand. And... Uh, Jonathan will kind of explain it a little bit, but I just want to give you the background on it. Uh, uh, he got into it head-to-head uh, before the flop, uh, and he had jack-10 of spades. Okay. The other player, as it turned out, had 9-8 of diamonds. So uh, Jonathan let out, and then uh, this guy called. So the flop came, and it was 8-6-deuce with two spades. So now okay. Jonathan has a flush draw. He's as it turns out, he's got two over cards, but he doesn't know this yet. Right. Uh, but, but his opponent has paired his eight. Right. So he'll explain his betting pattern, but he bet, and then the guy raised him. Jonathan went all in. Now, this is the f- second hand of the day. He goes all in with Jack-10, and I was a little surprised. Well, especially mentioning on what he mentioned in the interview with you there, right? I right. mean, he goes, people in the 10,000 aren't prone to making these mistakes. Right. And, I mean, unless but he had a read on this well, opponent he did. that he, he thought. Did. He'll know. explain that, so okay. uh, we'll get to that in just a second. Because that's the only way I could see him pushing all in. That but he pushes all in, and the guy thinks for a second and calls with 9-8. So he does have the lead, this guy, over Jonathan. Yeah, uh, but he's in a lot of trouble. I mean, he's right, got two overcards of spade that would kill him. Exactly, and that's what happened. Uh, the, the, the turn was a blank. The river was the three of spades. And Jonathan and uh, took Jonathan out. cleaned this guy out. So, uh, you know, I kind of asked him a few questions about what was his thought pattern as far as trying to chip up early, uh, you know, and he, he explains it here. He put enough pressure on this guy that I, th- I think he just thought that if this guy didn't have a set or two pairs, he would let that hand go. So he's very kind, came right over, and uh, we finished up the interview uh, in, during the first break. Part two of my interview with Jonathan Little here on uh, day three of the $10,000 Seminole Hard Rock finale. Uh, let's start out with an early hand there. You uh, you chipped up with uh, flush under river. Yes, I raised. Uh, you did. Did you get it all in before the flop? There? Oh yes. No, no, on, on the flop. On the so flap after the flop. So yeah, I raised under the gun or middle position. So you're holding Jack Ten of Spades. Yeah, that's a great hand. Okay. So I raised. Guy in the big blind calls. I've heard that he can do some crazy stuff. So whatever that means. Comes eight six two two spades, so I have over cards. And he had draw. he had eight nine of diamonds, so he actually has top pair. He probably has beat going into the river. Well, he checked. Okay. I bet twenty two k. Okay. Size such that if he does check raise, it can't be an all in check raise because okay. you don't want to let him shove. Right. Because then you have to fold. Okay. So if you're gonna bet there, you need to be betting on the smaller side. He had about um, three fifty k behind. So if I bet like. 40k, he could easily shove on me. Okay. So if you want to bet there, you have to bet small. It's either bet small or check. So I bet small. He check raised to 58k, which is great. We went all in. Or I went all in. Um, that's a spot where you can apply a lot of pressure, and if he calls, you're still in great shape. Mm-hmm. And so he did call, and we were flipping. Were you I surprised he called? Um, yeah, I didn't. I don't think you should be check raising 9-8 there. Yeah. Not a good spot to check raise. You just want to check call, check call, check fold the river probably. Mm-hmm. But... Some people like jamming it in there. So he jammed it in there and got his coin flip. 
So obviously you're not really uh, sweating it out, but if you don't get the three of spades on the river to complete your flush, then you're gone. Well, no, I would have had well, you had a few that. left. Okay, but so, yeah, you I'm not a... so worried about going broke. No, I'm trying to win the poker tournament. Okay, so I don't really care about moving over the payoffs. Do you do you come into a, a day like this with kind of a strategy to grab a hand like that early and get a nice stack, and then uh, maybe sit back and cruise along for a while? I have no real plan. No. I'm not. I'm never thinking. I need to hang out for a while. It's more so you play what comes to you, and if you get over cards in the flush draw, you're going to go all in. Okay. <laughs> but I, I think a lot of people they try to come up with these intricate game plans, but things change very quickly. I mean, you can come into the day thinking, like the guy on my left's going to 3-bet me a lot, so I need to 4-bet a lot. You can come in thinking that, but then if you realize it's just not 3-betting you, then you don't do it. How about right before the break, you get moved to another table? Does that uh, change really your dynamic uh, big time? Well, it does. I, I had a relatively good image at the other table. I wasn't doing anything too crazy. I just got a, I just cold 4-bet versus Adrian a minute ago with nothing, and continuation bet the flop and one, so that was good. And You had nothing on that one? Wide ace jack, which was effectively nothing. Okay. And um, that kind of dynamic's good because it's going to make him leave me alone. So I, I was happy with my table. Even though the table was relatively tough, I had a good spot at the table because once you make the guys on our left leave you alone a little bit, you can get away with more things. And that's, that's an example of a strategy I was looking to do when I came into the day of four-betting him at some point because I know he likes his three-bet. And you don't want him three-betting you every hand, so you got to four-bet and fight a little bit. Right. Now, you're completely immersed in this, obviously, and in the, in the background, you've got CoachingPoker.com launching today. PokerCoaching.com. <laughs> I don't want people to go to the wrong site. Uh, PokerCoaching.com, which launches at 3 o'clock this afternoon. It does. Our time, noon, you're, noon out on the West Coast. Um, you know, are you checking in on that, finding out uh, every few minutes uh, what's going on with that? I have a marketing partner. He's in charge of everything whenever I'm not available. Okay. So he's in charge today. <laughs> You're definitely not available. I did all my work ahead of time. I made all my quizzes, got the homework together. So it, I did my part. Uh, I want to talk just a bit about this uh, WPT Champions Challenge, which just finished. Uh, you were actually the winner, kind of a 64-person bracket uh, celebrating March Madness or whatever, but uh, letting people select their favorites. And not only uh, did you, uh, in the first round, knock off Chino Reem, who was the chip leader at this table, uh, at this right tournament, hand. and now on, right on your right. I'm going to knock him out of this tournament, too. But you beat <laughs> both Daniel Negreanu and Phil Ivey and to win the title, and Doyle Brunson. Uh, and you slaughtered Phil Ivey, 88% to 12, I looked at it this morning. Uh, that's got to feel good, but it's also uh, beneficial for you to help promote your site and that sort of thing. It is. Well, I mean, I have um, I have an email list that people can subscribe to, and over the last seven years, I've sent out a weekly newsletter and give away a lot of free content to my fans. And whenever I asked them to step up and vote for me, they were happy to because I've helped a lot of them at poker. I mean... Like I said, one of the players still in the tournament told me he reads my books every day. Before I showed up, I had four or five people wanted to say hi. And, you know, when you when you help people out and improve their lives, they're happy to help you out. And that's exactly what happened, and it, it showed. So instead of just being a poker player who posts on Twitter sometimes, I'm someone who helps people out, and they're happy to get back. Uh, obviously, you have several books you've put out in the past that uh, people have read. Uh, you know, the different sites that you put together, seminars and that sort of thing, all the teaching. Uh, you seem to have a limitless motor for uh, promoting the game and uh, trying to help other people get better. Yeah, I mean, I recognize I would not be where I am today if it was not because of other people's help whenever I first started. And it's almost like you feel obligated to pay it forward. You know, I mean, I got help, so you help people out. And, I mean, that's why I set up my site, JonathanLillPoker.com, where they can sign up for the newsletter and get the free blogs each month or every, each week and see the podcast. And I want to help people out who have a desire to learn. 
Well, I have uh, participated in some of your seminars before, so I've enjoyed it, and I highly recommend them. Um, you know, where do you take your uh, career from here? Uh, just continue to teach, try to win big tournaments, obviously. That's the plan. I mean, you got to run hot in poker tournaments. I've, I've not fared well the last few times I made the top 27 of WPTs. Last time was at Borgata, maybe six months ago, and I was out on the third hand. I guess I could have been out on the first hand in this one, or nearly on the first hand if I tried hard enough. But you, know, you gotta you gotta play to win and playing to win. So yeah, you have to run hot when it matters, and it, you don't get too many 10k opportunities anymore. A lot of them are 3500s, right. and this is a relevant tournament. You want to win the relevant tournaments. I mean, every year throughout my career, I've won roughly two and a half tournaments per year. But if they're the irrelevant tournaments, like a $500 tournament or a $1,000 tournament, you're just down a lot of money. But if you win the 10ks, you're rich. So hopefully. This could be one that I win a 10K. I noticed that you made a couple notes after one of the hands, and you probably do that on a regular basis. Uh, will we see any of these hands on uh, PokerCoaching.com? Probably. I mean, I post a lot of hands on Share My Pair, which is a poker app. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Jonathan Little. You'll see the hands posted right there. I posted the Jack-10 suited hand, for example. and I try to not post many hands that don't go to showdown, at least until after the tournament, because you don't want them to know you have the ace-jack offsuit and you're bluffing and whatnot. But... I try to post hands on there. I've probably posted 15 hands from this tournament so far. Okay. Good luck today, uh, and I'm sure starting tomorrow you'll be in the uh, Tournament of Champions? I think it's the next day. Oh, wait. I think it's, or maybe it's even the day after that. It's Thursday. Oh, it's, or it's Friday. It's Friday. Yeah, it is Friday. I'm playing the right. Global Poker League heads-up match on oh, wow. Thursday, which is how I know that. <laughs> because it, it, the scheduling worked out perfectly to where I can play the Tournament of Champions, no problem, and play the heads-up match, no problem. I'm very interested in that. I've been reporting on it. Uh, and uh, you think it's been a success so far? You yeah. enjoyed it? Yeah, I've loved it. I've watched a lot of the videos. I, it's definitely been a success. People are watching and enjoying it and having a good time. And the, the quality of the stream is improving. And, you know, anytime you start something completely new, there's going to be a lot of kinks involved. And they're fixing a lot of them and improving the show. And I'm, I'm excited to get to play in it. Okay. Good luck today. Thank you. Jonathan ended up getting knocked out in 12th place. Still made a pretty nice payday. What did you think about that hand? Any thoughts? Uh, well, an insight into him. He pressed thinking that if this guy didn't have a big hand, he wouldn't call, You know, which he didn't have a big hand. He had top pair with a medium soul kicker, and he had two overcards, two cards to catch the flush. And he goes, you know, worst case, he goes, even if he had a hand beating mines, it would be a coin toss, and that's exactly what it was. And, you know... It's it's interesting to hear a champion like Jonathan right, Little right. say, hey, I'm, you know, you asked him the question, well, that would have hurt you, that could have crippled you. He goes, I don't care about that, I'm here to win the tournament. So he put himself in a position and in a hand where, you know, at worst case scenario, he was a coin flip to double up. Uh-huh. And, well, you know, what are you going to do? That's, that's sometimes what you have to do. Sooner right. or later, you're going to have flip hands in a tournament if you're going to win them. I just thought it was pretty interesting. I think, you know, that uh, kind of a points out his uh, outlook on the game as well. Is a lot of people will go in, you know, the first few hands will just kind of feel the other players out, and they really won't put a lot of pressure on because, you know, they don't want to get knocked out uh, after, you know, spending the night and, and getting up and coming over the tournament and get knocked out the second hand. Now, of course, Jonathan had him covered, so he wouldn't have been knocked out exactly, but uh, that certainly would have changed well, he, his tournament completely. He also said he had a kind of read on the guy that the guy was being very aggressive. Right, the guy's name was Ser- Sergei Baranov. So, so the guy was being aggressive. I'm, I'm sure this was a very calculated you know, decision that he made with the two overcards. And, you know, he, he analyzed this perfectly where he, he, he assumed if, his, if the person called... At worst case, the guy had 
you know, uh, pocket, you know, I mean, a, a pair of eights that the guy wasn't sitting with a set or two pairs that now the two overcards don't come into play. Now right. you need to hit the flush. And that wasn't the case. I mean, on the river, he could have hit the spade, he could have hit the 10, he could have hit the jack to have won that hand. Right. So, you know, big difference. You know, How about looking at it from the other guy's point of view? Was that uh, a terrible move for him to uh, to call? I mean, he did go in the tank well, for a little bit. Well, put it this way. It. You know, once he bet and Jonathan went all in, you you might assume that you have the best hand, but that your opponent is putting so much pressure on you because of the two spades that are out there. If it had been like a 7-8, I think it would have been a really bad call because you know, your opponent could be open-ended with the flush draw, right. now having a lot more outs. You know, there was that pre-flop raising, you know, uh, going on. But that happens a lot at that stage of the tournament where you're raising with nothing. As he mentioned, you know, he took a small raise, you know, not hoping that his opponent would push all in, which then he'd have to let the 10-jack go. I guess my mindset, thinking about tournaments and that sort of thing, is, you know, making as big a check as possible and not, uh, you know... Well, that's the going difference. crazy with with a no, bit, you well, know. No, see that that's because we're we're at a stage when we play poker where the money is is significant to right. us. As as you were saying for Jonathan, you know, pokercoaching.com is opening up. He's got a lot of venues where he's, you know, has money streaming in from different venues that he's involved in. And to maintain that, he has to be successful in poker. You know, this is, this is the only reason people are going to want to see your PokerCoaching.com is because you've been successful, and he's extremely successful. As he said, he's average winning two and a half tournaments a year. He, you know, successful column and card player. You know, so all of this is based on him winning. And once you've reached a certain amount of money that you've made, you know, guess what? You know, you save enough. You know, you try, like you say, you're trying to move up, and then what happens is you keep getting chipped out, chipped out, chipped out. These you know top poker players aren't playing like that. They're they're pushing they're pushing slight edges, right? Especially against opponents that they feel are not you know. Listen, I'm sure Jonathan want to say this. This gentleman got to that deep part of that tournament, but his style of play dictated Jonathan's move there of pushing all in, thinking that he could get this guy to fold, or at worst case he'd be in a coin flip. That's exactly right. what it turned out to be. Okay. One other hand I want to discuss. We'll do it when we come back. Uh, we'll take our final break on the program, and uh, then we'll update you on what's going over uh, over at the Hard Rock there. I'm heading over there in just a few minutes to try to catch some of the action, maybe get a couple interviews uh, of the champions. I definitely got a story to write for Annie Up Magazine uh, later this month, so uh, I definitely w- will be over there right after this. But let's take a break here. Uh, tell you about Gulfstream Park. Uh, certainly the... Uh, the ambiance there is uh, unmatched as far as a beautiful location with uh, the sunshine and palm trees around the racetrack. Just a great day uh, if you like horse racing. And if you don't, there's certainly plenty of other things to do. Uh, they have the slot machines, uh, two floors. They have some great restaurants, including uh, the Ten Palms Buffet, Christine Lee's Oriental Restaurant upstairs. That's all in the track. And then outside there is the uh, Village of Gulfstream Park and some of the great uh, information there uh, that you can pick up uh, on their website at gulfstreampark.com. But the poker is uh, the highlight for us. And uh, we we check out there on a regular basis. We'll play some of the tournaments occasionally. Uh, 7 o'clock every night they have a pretty nice event. Uh, they used to have some in the daytime that uh, were not as successful, so they've dropped some of those. But it's a full during the day, a lot of great action. 
and you can get just about any game you, that you want. Uh, give them a call over at the card room, 954-457-6336 is the number to check out what games are playing and what kind of crowds are there and maybe what uh, what kind of action is taking place. And then uh, you can check out the tournaments as well. They have a big uh, Sunday night tournament now, a uh, big deep stack tournament that they started uh, for the month of April. And uh, certainly I'm going to give that one a try as well. Looking forward to it. Um, great dining, great entertainment all day, all night. And uh, you can find just about anything you want there at Gulfstream Park. Uh, it's located at 901 South Federal Highway, uh, basically the corner of Hallandale Beach Boulevard and Federal and uh, a little bit east of I-95, a little bit west of the beaches. You can find it very easily. It's Gulfstream Park. Champions start here, and welcome to your playground. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. The odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. Tuesday nights on WFO Radio are all about Nitro. Join Joe at 7 p.m. Eastern each Tuesday night for the live edition of NHRA Tuesday Nitro. Race winners stop by to talk about bringing home the Wally every Tuesday night following NHRA national events. Tony Schumacher. Tony, welcome back. Love being on the show because it usually meant. So we did something absolutely amazing. NHRA Nitro is available on demand anytime at WFORadio.com. Okay, short final segment to close out the program here, and then uh, I'm headed over to Hollywood to check out the action over there. Uh, out in fifth place in the... Uh, in the uh, championship, the uh, Seminole Hard Rock Showdown is uh, Tim Riley. Uh, that leaves just four players: Matthew Haugen. You, be- you better hurry; they're going to be done before. Yeah, they may be there. Done. <laughs> uh, Young Che, Matthew Haugen, Justin Young, and Garrett Greer. Uh, Six fifty-four is uh, first place over there. Uh, Six hundred fifty-four thousand and the tournament champion seat. 
So um, we'll be looking at some of the action over there. Uh, the high roller final table is set now. Um, David Malka, Tim West, Nick Yunus. You have Janie Timoshenko, Brian Benderoff, Stefan Sontheimer, Sylvain Loosley, Nick Petrangelo, and Laz Hernandez. And apparently Hernandez is out now. He is out in ninth place. So they're down to the final eight there. If I miss one tournament, I'll have another one. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Which is uh, the way everyone looks at it when they come to visit here, I guess. Uh, anyway, uh, we'll be checking that out. Um so an, another great week. I hope you can uh, stop by uh, maybe uh, sometime this weekend for the Tournament of Champions. Certainly, uh, if you let me know, I'll get you a press pass where you can walk around inside. And uh, What day would that be, Saturday? Uh, it starts Friday, and it'll run through Sunday. That's, uh, I will give you a call on okay, that. Let me know. I'd love to be there for that. So, uh, so that is the update there. Um, also want to mention uh, a lot of the players that are already in the early races for the uh, Player of the Year, including Ari Engel, uh, Tony Gregg, and Dietrich Fast. Uh, we're all here at the tournament this week. I got a chance to uh, watch some of them in action, and uh, we'll be checking out. Fourth place is Bryn Kinney currently in the uh, Player of the Year race, and he, of course, very busy with the as the captain of the New York Rounders. So uh, a lot of stuff going on now, and... Uh, Certainly uh, does not slow down even after this finishes here. We'll be uh, starting to gear up for the uh, uh, World Series of Poker. Great uh, articles on uh, Poker News by Mo Nuara on uh, preparing for the WSOP. I'm trying to get a hold of him to maybe have him on the show, so I'll be looking into that as well. Uh, A lot of stuff here. Great week uh, continues uh, this week, and we'll we'll have fun watching everything that's going on. Yeah, it seems like they have put on a first-class uh, tournament that once again over here at the Hard Rock and kind of starts getting those juices flowing for the for, for the WSOP in a little over a month. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Gio, thanks again for all your help on the show, and Joe, uh, your contributions as well. Talked to a lot of good friends. Uh, saw Chris Bolick over there. We had a long conversation. How's uh, he doing? He's doing good. Didn't do that well as far as playing this week, but... Uh, you know, I had fun. I said hi to Jason, talked with him briefly, uh, Chance Corneth, and uh, all the other big South Florida players. Good to see them uh, in action. Yep. Well, let me tell you, wish wish all our all our good friends to the show good luck in the in the tournament. Absolutely. Uh, that'll do it for tonight's show. We'll catch you next week. Another edition of Poker Action Line. Uh, we'll be lining up some guests. Uh, of course, you can always find the show on uh, iTunes or on. Uh, Hold'em Radio, uh, net, net, Hold'em Radio Network, uh, Stitcher Radio is a good place to find the show, or our website, PokerActionLine.com. Also, the Poker Fuse podcast page is a good place as well to find the show. Thanks for being with us. We'll catch you with more next week on another edition of the show. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies. 